Hey everybody, Happy New Year, Happy 2022. Gonna have to get used to uh, saying that and writing that. Well, today is Sunday, January 2nd, 2022, the first Sunday of the new year, welcome. And also welcome to part two of Managing Expectations, our mini-series where we're taking a look at Philippians chapter one and uh, kind of tracking with the testimony of Paul here. And so last Sunday, we left off with Paul in jail in Rome. Uh, you know, talk about a bad place, right? And at first glance, you might look at Paul's situation here, arrested, imprisoned, and it'd be easy to draw the conclusion that, well, this guy's ministry is over. Uh, whatever influence he had um, at best is now uh, significantly diminished, if not outrightly restricted altogether. That whatever advances the gospel had been making under Paul's ministry while he was free, well, that's just ground to a complete halt. It would be easy to assume that would be the case. This seems like a complete and utter disaster for the work of the gospel, but is it? Well, let's review what Paul says in Philippians 1, beginning at verse 12. Paul says, now I want you to no. And we talked a little bit about that word last week, that it really has the nuance of to understand. You see, it's one thing to merely know that you're in a bad place. It's a whole other thing to understand what it is that Jesus is doing in the midst of that uh, bad place. I want you to understand, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me, namely my imprisonment, has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. And so if you think about this, here's Paul. He's been arrested. He is jailed. Why? He's arrested and jailed because he has been preaching the resurrection of Christ in the synagogues. That's the reason. And so here he is uh, guarded by these elite Roman guards. These are the best of the best, the imperial guards. These are the, 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 the palace guards of Caesar. These are like, um, these are like the Navy seal, uh, seals of, of Roman guards. These are highly trained uh, guards, and here they are guarding Paul. These guys were used to guarding murderers, like the worst of the worst, murderers and the terrorists and political insurrectionists. And here they're guarding this preacher, this apostle, Paul. And, you know, we know some things about Paul from, uh, you know, not only from the New Testament, but from extra biblical uh, literature as well. Uh, we find out things about Paul that he was like really short. Uh, that he was actually pretty homely. In fact, Voltaire, uh, the historian, very unkindly referred to Paul as that ugly little Jew. And um, so you th I, I, when I think of Paul, I, I kind of picture like Danny DeVito in my head. Uh, I don't know how accurate that is, but like imagine these uh, uh, Navy SEAL type uh, guards guarding Paul. I can imagine one of these guards asking Paul the question, like, what is a guy like you doing in a place like this? Now, if I was Paul in his situation, I'd be like, dude, don't go there. Don't ask me that. Um, because, you know, 
I had a global ministry. I was called by God to this church planting ministry. I was an apostle. I was headlining all kinds of crusades. And now here I am in jail. My ministry is over. This is the thanks I get. Right. Well, thankfully, Paul had uh, a very different perspective than I probably would have had in those same circumstances. And so, you know, the guard says, hey, what's a guy like you doing in a place like this? Paul says, well, since you asked, I'm here for preaching the resurrection of Jesus. And think about the resurrection of Jesus. Think about Easter Sunday morning. Think about the tomb in which Jesus' body was placed. Who was guarding that tomb? These same elite guards, not these same individuals, but the same regiment of Navy SEAL kind of Roman guards, the palace guards, the imperial palace guards, they were the ones guarding the tomb of Jesus. And think about what happened on that Sunday morning. Um, the guards fell as if dead. Uh, angels appear, stone rolls away. Uh, tomb is empty. Do you think that possibly that story made its way to Rome through these palace guards? Well, certainly it would have. This story would have been told and retold and told again countless of times. There would be a very famous uh, story among these elite palace guards. And so the guard says to Paul, what's a guy like you doing in a place like this? Well, I'm here for preaching the resurrection of Christ. Oh, I've heard of that. Tell me more. And so Paul would have told this guard about the birth and the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus, that Jesus is Savior, he's Lord, he's Rescuer, he's Redeemer, he's Messiah, he's Sin Forgiver, he's, he's the one in whom is life, life to the full now and life eternal. And the guard says, I want that. I want in, I want Jesus. And, and that guard uh, surrenders his life to Jesus as Lord. And then that guard goes on break and he says to his buddy who's guarding the outside of the door, he says, you, you need to take my shift. I'll watch the door. You go in with the prisoner. Uh, this guy knows everything about the resurrection uh, that took place in Jerusalem. And so that guard interacts with Paul and Paul leads him to Jesus and so on and so on and so on. And so the gospel lands in Caesar's household to such an extent that Paul can write at the end of the book, chapter 4 and verse 22, all God's people send you greetings, especially those of Caesar's household. And last week, we actually ended off our talk last week by asking the question, well, how does the gospel get to Caesar's household? In fact, how does it get into Caesar's household. Well, that's how. Here's Paul leading these elite palace guards to Jesus, and they themselves take the gospel to and into uh, Caesar's household. So I hope, I hope that this opens up a whole new perspective in our thinking um, about what it means to be stuck in a bad place. That maybe, just maybe, God has a purpose for you in that bad place, whatever your bad place might be, whatever bad situation that uh, you maybe are facing or may face in 2022. Maybe your bad situation is COVID. 
you know, after almost two years of this uh, COVID experience that we've been having, maybe that feels like imprisonment to you. Well, have you stopped to consider that maybe in the midst of COVID, God has a purpose for you? Maybe your bad situation is a, is a marital challenge. Maybe it's a financial struggle. Maybe it's a, a health crisis that you're facing. Maybe it's, a, maybe it's um, anxiety or depression or addiction, or maybe it's a, a strained relationship with your kids. Have you stopped to think that maybe in the midst of that difficult, bad situation, that maybe God has a purpose for you? And so this opens up a, a whole new perspective for us about what it means to be stuck in a bad place. And here's something that is really, really important. My bad attitude in that bad place can sabotage the purposes of God. I want Paul's perspective. I need Paul's perspective in 2022. Well, what about you? I found this quote uh, last week, and it's... Uh, it's a Christmassy quote, not a New Year's quote, but I thought it was so appropriate for what we're talking about today. It comes from Albert Tate. And he says, as Joseph and Mary looked down in the manger, they were surrounded by horrible circumstances, but had a clear view of Jesus. And here's Paul, you know, in horrible circumstances, but he's got such a clear view of what Jesus is up to in the midst of those horrible circumstances. Well, Paul is going to give us the, the secret uh, to his perspective. And, and I don't use language like that a lot in teaching, like the secret of this or the key to unlocking that. I usually find that language is, is um, kind of sensationalized and not always very true to the text. But when I talk about the, the secret to Paul's perspective, I'm not overhyping that. I'm not overselling that. This is powerful. It's in the text. And uh, it is quite literally life-changing and I think is, can be uh, powerful for us in 2022. So uh, we've acknowledged the fact that Paul is in a bad place. He's in a tough situation, really challenging circumstances. But not only that, uh, he's also surrounded by some pretty lame people, some pretty sucky Christian people. And we talked about that a little bit last week, that Paul, you know, he, he ends up in a place that he didn't expect, and he ends up surrounded by people that he didn't expect to be surrounded by. So I want to talk a little bit about these sucky people. Not that it's applicable to us, because uh, I'm sure it's not, but it's in the text, so I feel like we should at least uh, acknowledge it. Because let's face it, there's no sucky people at SCF Online or in Sobel Church. Like, we're never immature. We never have bad attitudes. We agree about everything. We have the same opinions about COVID and vaccines and passports and restrictions. And we never have any clashing personalities. And we never have any arguments, right? I'm being very tongue-in-cheek as I'm saying all of this. Um, it could well be that from time to time, even we, Sobel, online or in Sobel Church have hmm, some bad attitude days, days where we're selfish and, uh, you know, maybe where we identify more with this group surrounding Paul than we'd like to admit. So Paul's in, he's in a bad place, and he's also surrounded by some really difficult Christian people. Well, let's look at it. Go back to verse 14. 
And uh, Paul says, he's talking about these Christians in Rome in verse 14, and he says, because of my chains, and those chains might be literal chains, he may literally be chained to these guards, or they might be figurative, just describing his imprisonment. Because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. Now, that's, that's awesome. Uh, nothing sucky there to be concerned about. Uh, but let's carry on. Verse 15, Paul says, It is true, however, that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so in love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I am in chains. And so here's Paul. He's surrounded by a bunch of Christian uh, Roman believers who don't like him. And, you know, there are people who just flat out don't like people who are in important positions or places, people who seem to, to get all the press, like Paul probably did. And maybe there are Roman Christians who are in their, you know, their house churches all over Rome, and maybe some of them are like, man, all we ever do when we get in our house churches, we read Paul's letters, Paul, 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 sick and tired of Paul. You know, I've written a few letters myself. Nobody seems to want to read those. And it's like Paul, you know, Paul has led these people to Christ. Now he's in prison. And so for some of these people, this is now their chance to have the headlines, their chance to, to lead people to Christ and to be more important than Paul. And some of these Roman Christians disliked Paul to such an extent that they're actually hoping that their success with the gospel will uh, make Paul feel bad while he's in prison and the, the language of uh, what we just read to stir up trouble for Paul. They're hoping that this really bothers him in prison. So you talk about being in a bad place. Now he's stuck with, I think we'd have to agree, these are some pretty lame Christian people that Paul is kind of stuck with here. How does he handle it? Well, look at verse 18. He says, what does it matter? In other words, so what? Big deal. Who cares? But what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. So in, in these house churches and among these house churches and um, among these believers in Rome, there's envy between them. There's rivalry between churches and Christian ministries in Rome. Isn't it so great that, you know, envy between Christians and rivalry be between churches and Christian ministries, that it all ended in the first century? Wow, I've declined from um, uh, tongue-in-cheek to now just being outrightly uh, sarcastic. I, I hope you know that that's the case. Wouldn't it be great if in 22, 2022, that we could just acknowledge the fact that God has not called us to compete with one another, that God has not called us to compete with other Christians, that he's not called us to rivalry between churches, but rather he's called us to stand shoulder to shoulder with other believers rather than 
arguing about COVID or debating church politics, that he's called us to be shoulder to shoulder together, um, uh, confronting the very gates of hell in the name of the living, risen Jesus. We're not called to be in rivalry with other ministries. And so, you know, these conversations about who's biggest or who's the best or who's got the biggest budget or the best building, like, what a waste of time. Let's, let's just stay away from that completely. And let's recognize that we're called to, to go arm in arm, shoulder to shoulder together as brothers and sisters in Jesus against the very gates of hell for the glory of the risen Christ. And Paul knew that. Paul had a very um, kingdom mindset. He knew that the kingdom um, had no borders. These house churches are just tiny expressions, visible expressions of this body of Christ. And Paul knew that. And so he said, oh, so what? What does it matter? Christ is preached and in that I rejoice. So Paul is stuck in a bad place. But it's all good because it's advancing the gospel. And Paul is surrounded by some pretty immature, mean, selfish, lame Christians. But it's all good as long as Christ is preached. Boy, I want that attitude. I want that attitude in 2022. Well, where does that come from? Now we're going to get to it here. Uh, let's keep reading. Paul gives us the, the secret to this attitude. So we're going to jump back in middle of verse 18. Yes, and I will continue to rejoice. Notice he's rejoicing. Bad place, sucky people, Paul's rejoicing. That's what this perspective does. Verse 19, for I know that through your prayers and God's provision of the spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. Now, verse 20, this is the key. This is, this is the big verse. Let's lock in on verse 20. Let's memorize verse 20. Let's, let's write verse 20 out on a whole bunch of sticky notes. Put one in your bathroom mirror, in your car, in your office. Make sure it's in somewhere that you see it every single day. Gina's written this verse out on a, um, a recipe card for me. It's on the bulletin board up in my office. I see it every day. This is powerful. Verse 20, I eagerly expect. There's our word. This is about managing expectations. And here Paul says, I clearly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. I eagerly expect that Christ will be exalted. I don't know if you... Uh, if you listened to last week's talk, I talked about a bunch of expectations that I had going into 2021. Going into 2021, I had an expectation that in 2021, COVID would be over. I had an expectation in 2021 that life would be back to normal, that we'd be flocking back to services, that we'd be high-fiving and, and hugging. I had an expectation in 2021 that Pastor Dave would be back pastoring the church. I had a bunch of expectations in 2021 that, quite frankly, went unfulfilled. Well, I want us to notice Paul's life is driven by one expectation, that wherever he is and whoever he's with, that Christ will be exalted. One expectation. 
that wherever he is, however bad that situation might be, and whoever he's with, however sucky those people might be, one expectation that Christ will be exalted. Some other versions or translations, like the King James, for instance, uh, renders that to um, magnify Christ, that Christ would be magnified in my body, whether by life or by death. I like that. This idea of magnifying, to make Jesus large, that Paul um, would take the resurrected Jesus and make him visible, make him large through his life. It's as if Paul wanted to take a, a giant uh, magnifying glass and, and put it over the love and the grace and the beauty and the compassion and the forgiveness of Jesus that whatever place he's in or whatever people he's with, that he would seize that moment, seize that opportunity to make Jesus large, to exalt Jesus. You know, just going back to some of those expectations that I had going into 2021, some of those expectations were outside of my control. I expected COVID would be over. It wasn't. It isn't. But that's out of my control. You know, I expected that we'd all come flocking back to, uh, to, to in-person church services. That hasn't happened. That's out of my control. But this, this expectation of Paul, that wherever I am and whoever I'm with, I will find a way to magnify Christ in that moment. That expectation is 100% in my control. That expectation is 100% in your control. No one can take that away from you. No one can take away that control. And so in jail, in that bad place, Paul says, I'm going to find a way to exalt Christ, to magnify Christ while I'm here. As a result, that's where the rejoicing comes from. His heart is full of joy. And while there's other people, other Christian people out there preaching Christ, trying to make Paul upset, Paul says, so what? As long as Christ is being preached, his name is being magnified, that aligns with my one expectation. And so... Paul's thrilled with that. So when it comes to managing expectations for 2022, what if you had but one expectation? That wherever you are and whoever you're with, that Christ would be exalted, that Christ would be magnified and made large in your life. That's an expectation that is 100% in your control. So that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. Well, let's pray. Father, I want to lift up my SCF Online family to you right now. Each one so incredibly precious to you. I pray that each one of us will yield to you our varied expectations and embrace but one expectation. That wherever we are, whatever the situation might be, and whoever we're with, regardless of how difficult people may be, that our one expectation will be to exalt the living Jesus, to magnify the love, the kindness, the beauty of Jesus, 
and make him appear large through our lives. And I pray today, not just for our SCF online family and not just for our Sobel Church family, but I pray recognizing that SCF online and Sobel Church is just one beautiful, tiny expression of the body of Christ. A kingdom with no borders or boundaries. And I pray that in 2022, that there would be a coming together, a cooperation, a kingdom-mindedness, a willingness to stand shoulder to shoulder with brothers and sisters together, lifting high the risen Jesus, so that in all things, he might have the supremacy and the glory. And so, our Father, we commit this new year, 2022, to you. And we pray these things in the matchless name of Jesus. Amen. Happy New Year.